today is a uh, member reflection service, and it's when we have three of our members of our church come up and explain uh, what journey brought them here and uh, why they remain Unitarian Universalists. Our first speaker is Jeff Dogger. I don't have the gift of faith. I don't think I ever have, although I faked it for a while. I now think of myself as a spiritual atheist. This is the story of how I got here in five short acts. <laughs> Act one, a boy, something under 10 years old. The scene is a Sunday school class in the Presbyterian church his family attends, where his mom sometimes directs the kids' choir. The teacher tells of a virgin giving birth to a special baby. Ah, the boy says, well, how can that happen? The boy presses his point with follow-up questions. <laughs> Later that day, the teacher meets with the boy's parents to discuss his unhelpful interruptions. The boy remembers nothing of this event. He knows about it only because his parents tell the story so many times. <laughs> Act two, the boy is 16, 17. The scene is the sanctuary in a church larger than his own. He's there with another teen at a regional church governance meeting to compete to serve as a youth delegate in, uh, at the Presbyterian Church USA's annual General Assembly. The teens must answer a question, and they hear it only now. Is Jesus human, divine, or both? I don't know, the boy says. Does it matter? Jesus, the man, is example enough for how to live a moral life. The other teen goes to General Assembly. <laughs> Act three, the boy, now a young man, has gone off to his first real job after college. The scene is a Presbyterian church, the first he's been in since high school. He's lonely, so he visits, and immediately is invited to the choir. He's sung in church choir since age seven or eight. He had to. His mom usually was choir director. <laughs> yes, he says, I'd love to sing with you. And for the first time, he joins a church choir without it feeling compulsory. And he likes it. Act four. The man is in his mid-30s. The scene, a worship service in another church where he's been a member, a deacon, an elder, and of course, a voice in the choir. The congregation stands to recite the Apostles' Creed. Our man rises with them, but as he has now for a few years, he stills his voice for phrases of the creed he no longer can embrace, not in rebellion, but simply to quiet an inner dissonance. Most difficult for him is this line, on the third day he rose again. Our man hasn't spoken these words in years. Why, he asks himself, do I stand to declare a belief I reject for myself? Soon he stops going to church. Act five, nearly 10 years have passed. The scene is the front seat of a car. The man and his wife are discussing church. They now have two young daughters. They talk often about returning to church to provide a spiritual space for them. They even visit the Methodist church, but there's the inner dissonance. 
hey, she says, we should check out that church. What church? Well, that Unitarian Universalist church back there? We drive by it all the time. They visit and stay. The church offers community with expectations about respecting others, but no expectation about individual belief, no inner dissonance. Here's what I've learned. From Act 1, it's okay to question. From Act 2, expressing your beliefs honestly may cost you. From Act 3, church is, commu is community, and community is good. From Act 4, fake belief prompts fake behavior. And from Act 5, any church can provide community. Only the right community will nurture individual belief. I wrap it all up this way. For me, community is spirituality. Human interaction supplies the connected threads that I experience as spirituality. But there's more, a more important more. Community, if a community that fits, is the cradle for my evolving beliefs. A place to grow the muscles I need to live my beliefs in the world where it often costs more to express them. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. And finally, always, 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 join the choir. <laughs>
Private schools were almost exclusively religious schools, and the great majority were Catholic. Attending mass every Sunday was mandatory. My mother would walk me to the entrance of the school's chapel and then go. My family moved often due to my father's job. As a result, I attended Jesuit schools, the French, French marriage schools, and most ironically, the schools that was run by the Trinitarian fathers. <laughs> when I was nine years old, my family moved to the U.S. Public schools were okay in the States, according to my parents. I never attended church again until I was 16 years of age. When my father's boss had a good friend, who was a good friend of the family, suggested that both my sister and I to attend some kind of church as this was the most normal thing people did in the U.S. We had no professed faith, so he suggested we attend their church, his church, which happened to be the Church of Christ. Although the Protestant fundamentalism was thoroughly alien to us, my parents, who were essentially very practical people, believed that members of the Church of Christ seemed to be good people who promoted a very healthy form of life. I remember my years in the Church of Christ very fondly. On Sunday afternoons, the teenagers were encouraged to visit nursing homes and shut-ins, and for the first time in my life, I felt that a church that I attended was showing concern for the things of this world. When I began to attend college, my relationships with the Church of Christ began to suffer. It was in the middle 1960s. And the church offered answers to important questions of the time that I found to be markedly unpalatable. I stopped attending church and I did not attend church again for 40 years. And here's my moment, here's my road to Damascus moment <laughs> coming up. My wife was an ardent bridge player, was playing bridge at the bridge house here in Shreveport when she was asked by one of the bridge ladies which church she attended. Treasured at the moment while probably holding a winning hand, she impulsively responded, the Unitarian Church, not ever having visited Unitarian congregation in her life. That evening, she informed me that we would be attending a church <laughs> that she had seen while driving on Ellerby. I responded that she was on her own and that I had not attended in church in 40 years and that I was certainly not going to start now. Well, here I am. <laughs> The first person I met when I first came to this Twelve Souls was Ron Thurston, head of the membership committee. And I thought to myself, well, half of the members are just as nice as this guy is. I would probably like it here. He gave me a copy of the Seven Principles, which I found to be surprisingly consonant with my worldview. I had found a home. The congregation 
has been a great source of support and validation to me and a positive influence in my journey to become a better person. Just lately, as a result of attending adult religious education class, I was able to truly understand a quote from Samuel Johnson that I treasured since I was a young man without really comprehending it. I didn't comprehend its meaning till my fellow members taught me the meaning here in RE. It is apropos to this trying time. Kindness is in our power, even when fondness is not. signed the membership book here, uh, I believe it was November 22nd of 1998. And uh, although I started coming here a few months before that, so that means I've been happily hanging around here for around 18 years. Uh, anyway, at uh, choir rehearsal last week, Barbara and Susan were talking about trying to find a third person for this Sunday's companion for the journey thing. And uh, I avoided eye contact <laughs> in hopes that they wouldn't ask me. And they didn't. So it worked. And uh, however, a day later, Susan and I were at Highland Blessings dinner and she asked me if I would speak. And so here I am. The only problem I have with doing this is uh, I'm supposed to take four or five minutes to talk. And well, it takes me an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes. <laughs> so it's gonna be tough. Especially since when it comes to my spiritual home here, there's so many nice things to say about it that I could talk nonstop for a week. So anyway, my interest here began when a former minister mentioned All Souls at a self-help group that uh, he held, I went there a few times, and uh, as soon as I could, I came out here for a few visits to, see what, visits to see what was going on, and I haven't looked back. And I find more reasons every day to stay. So, um, you know, instead of a long discussion about what brought me here, I thought I would focus on things that keep me here. Things that I do, or things that I get to do. Things that enrich my days, engage my heart, and enlighten my soul, mind, and body. Um, the first thing that grew on me here uh, that everyone else knows, notices right away is the spectacular view of nature we have right out here in this front yard. There's a wonderful nature trail down there leading you know, all over the place where I can experience its full glory up close and personal if I like. But, um, you know, and if this is your first time here, you know, watching nature and the seasons change from these, those pews is a wonderful spiritual experience all by itself. So welcome. Um, then there are several things that I do, that I get to do here that enrich my life 
just as they would you if you make the wise choice to grow with us. One of the more enjoyable things for me is that I can exercise my creative nature. This tie-dye shirt is one example. And tie-dye socks. <laughs> and some other garments, you just have to believe me. <laughs> anyway, uh, when I started attending here, the religious education classes let my two children make a tie-dye t-shirt for me as a gift for Father's Day. I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, a year after that, I was asked if I would help all, all the kids make t-shirts, and I've been doing it ever since. And that's groovy, man. <laughs> I also get to teach origami, uh, the ancient art of paper folding, to the kids too as a summertime thing. Uh, not only do I get to show the kids how to make tie-dye shirts and paper cranes, eventually I made the transition into teaching actual religious education classes, where I too learned a lot. My own kids are now grown, and I'm a little slower, so I haven't taught it in a while, but I did uh, enjoy it when I did. Uh, I taught the pre-K one class several times, and what a wonderful way to serve and give back to this church community. When first asked if I wanted to teach RE, I thought, I don't really want to do that. I'll miss all the great sermons. But you know what? When you get to teach our children, you don't miss the sermons at all. You know why? Because not only are the kids wonderful and interesting, all the sermons are recorded and stored on the church's website so you don't miss anything at all. You don't miss anything, you don't miss a thing and you gain way more. Talk to Susan Caldwell if you would like to start teaching RE now that you heard how wonderful it is from an actual person who does it. She sets <laughs> She sets everything up for you so it's a really easy way to have fun while serving. And you want to stuff too. Uh, flexing my creative muscles is a wonderful thing, but another thing that is near and dear to my heart is, a, is that I get to carry a joyful noise as another member of the choir. I guess Jeff didn't avoid eye contact the first day. <laughs> uh, caught it my way. Anyway, I was in a Methodist choir, a children's choir in my hometown of Milwaukee, but uh, you know, I was about nine, ten years old, and so, you know, other things... Uh, took my interest away quickly and for a long, long time. One thing which I couldn't understand was why my dad took me to Methodist Church to drop me off and then he could go home and watch the Packer game from the beginning. I had to stay at church and be bored to tears. But anyway, um, when I was offered the opportunity to participate in All Souls Choir, I jumped right in. Uh, we are a really happy group of people who welcome anyone to join the choir. That's what you get when you ask two choir members to do this. Anyway, we have fun at rehearsals, and we not only sing in church regularly, we get to sing at other events in our community. We're regulars at World Religion Day and uh, every January, and we also sing at the Northwest and Central Louisiana Interfaith events. Now, you don't have to be a member of the choir just to go and enjoy these events. You know, we want everyone else to show up, too, to support us and to support those events, so 
you haven't never been to either one of those, then come on out. And it's usually just the same four or five of us that, that go and the choir. So we'd love to see more of y'all there. Okay, and then uh, the Highland Blessing Dinner is another thing that uh, we as a church get to participate in. And everyone here also has a standing invitation. I love going. When I started going, I thought I was only supposed to go on our designated Thursday to volunteer. But I found out that I could go any Thursday or every Thursday if I wanted, so I do. I, I don't have to limit myself to one Thursday a month. They always need extra helpers. I always need to eat. And so, and I love meeting new people and making new friends from the community and other churches, so it works out great. I'm always a table host, which is the best gig in town, as they say. You get to eat and interact with people. And so, uh, anyway, anyone who has ask anyone who has participated in this, and they'll tell you what an enriching experience it really is. If all of that, what I just mentioned weren't enough, there are some other wonderful things this church community gets to do. Family game night is where we dust off old board games and snack and play. Then there's Thanksgiving feasts, Christmas parties, potlucks, a yearly silent auction, the gala, the big pool party, and other causes for celebrations and gatherings where we build community and closer connections with each other and live our faith. Then there are those ongoing social justice causes which our church joins in with others around the city, around the state, around the country, which is very inspiring. I have made meaningful connections with many people here. The most inspired I get, however, is from our minister, Barbara. She's been here since way before I got here, serving in several capacities in this church before becoming our full-time minister. Since I've known her, she has become my confidant, choir director, spiritual uh, advisor, consultant, my friend, and the closest companion on my journey here. And she's ready and eager to be your companion as well on your journey. So... Uh, I've grown to love this path, this place, all y'all, as my family. I'm eternally grateful to have found what it is we have here because I am certain we are truly helping to make the world a better place and I'm happy and lucky to be along for the ride.